0: You're listening to the best of The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now your host, Michelle Miao.
1: It's Michelle Miel. You're listening to The Best Of Show. We're replaying some of my favorite interviews we've done this year. So let's get the show started. Today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Our next guest, I should say our next guests. There, there's two of them. This is, this is new. This is so awesome. There, uh, we have a recording artist Danielle Lopresti and her, I think, wife. I think wife, or maybe maybe a partner, but definitely both extremely good-looking and very talented, Alicia Champion. And um, they're also the uh, founders of the San Diego Indie Fest, and they have a new video out for Danielle's uh, album, a Christmas album. And get this, they did this uh, video with a lesbian twist for, for the 1952 Tommy Connors Christmas classic, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus, and there's more to it. It features their foster adoptive son Xander. That is so neat and so cool. Danielle, Alicia, welcome to the, the program.
2: Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you so much. We are so uh, so so happy to yeah. be on your awesome show. Thank you for having us.
1: You both you both sound the same. I I, I can't yes, tell so you me, apart. Let me clarify. <laughs> oh, um, the American accent is Danielle,
3: and uh, I play Santa. And the um, Singaporean accent is Alicia, and she is my wife, and she plays the foxy one in the video
1: <laughs> i don't know I, I, I feel like you both were foxy that that was pretty pretty darn hot, so how many times did you have to shoot that video
2: <laughs> um well the the shooting um took. You know, we tried to wrap it up in one day, um, but um, it was a brand new experience for us working with a little one, uh, let, let alone our little one. Um, and uh, while it was, it was lovely and he was, he was amazing, uh, we understood firsthand um, why in so many uh, TV and film projects that have a child actor that they almost all always cast a uh, twin or triplet set because um it can be quite trying sometimes <laughs> to get a little one to follow you know the direction of a crew of you know 10 or 12 you know uh, men and women staring down at him you know with, with lights and cameras and all that um so uh it was definitely a learning experience for us but but an absolutely joyful one to just do this project all altogether as a family.
1: So whose idea was it? Um, you know, who came up with it? Was it Xander's? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
3: we actually call him Lucian. His first name is Xander, um, Xander Lucian, uh, Lopresti champion. Um, but we call him Lucian. Um, and it, he, he's ac- he actually, um, we adopted him. So we just call him our son. We just say our son. Um, He uh, is involved with the reason um, that that this video came to be, Um, but it really was inspired by him and Alicia. Um, We were trying to find a holiday video um, last year that reflected, you know, our family, what our family looks like. Because, you know, you always have the – uh, white dad and the white mom and the you know the classic Christmas type um, visual expression of the holidays um, and it's ubiquitous it's everywhere um, and trying to find a family that looked like ours was impossible we just couldn't find it anywhere and so Alicia came up with this idea of making our own
4: uh, well and, it's, uh,
3: it's
1: already that's how it started it's already received over 50,000 views on YouTube and so you know my guess is that the response has been awesome so far
2: yeah i mean we really uh we we we've been so moved and um especially by some of the comments um in you know on the YouTube page uh We've been really moved by um, how people have been affected uh, by this this video, and that. I mean, that, that's what we're hoping to do. Whenever you, you put you know all you have into a project, you know, um, you can pray that it reaches people the way you know you want it to, but you never know. And so, to see that reflected in the feedback, you know, from other families, you know, uh, has been really special.
1: Now, I wanted to, you know, is this the uh, first time both of you had have collaborated and know that, you know, Danielle, you actually have a band, right?
3: Yes, and no, 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 we collaborate together all the time. All Alicia the- is the music director of, of our band, Danielle Presti and the Masses. Um, we collaborated together uh, over a decade ago to create San Diego Indie Fest, as you mentioned. Um, we we write together. Uh, Alicia is the producer. and. Um, we co-write, and then she makes magic out of out of what we come up, <laughs> come up with together, really. Um, but this is the first time that we've collaborated. We, and we've done many, many music videos, I should say, which you can see on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, but, but this is the first time that we've collaborated this way with our child. This was a big first for us. And also, we, we do a lot of activism um, for human rights, social justice, environmental rights. It's really, really... You know, central to everything we do as artists. Um, But this is the first time that we have done something with such um, a comedic, really lighthearted touch. Um, We typically are that like fist in the air, go go for it a thousand percent type presentation. This is a really new way of um, introducing the idea of you know social justice what it is to you know acknowledge and accept and love the differences between us you know and 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 we're really trying to get people to see cuz there's nothing like seeing it right right that the lgbtq families are just Like theirs. We have the same struggles. You know, you're new parents, you've got a little one, you just want two seconds of alone time, (laughs) but no, you may not have it. You know, and you love them and they're made so cute so you don't get furious. How can you get mad? But, you know, these are the same struggles we all have. And most people just don't get to see LGBTQ families. I mean, think about it. When we see a commercial, With an interracial family, we go, oh, my God. It's like an amazing thing. Imagine watching the Super Bowl and seeing two daddies or two mommies on on a commercial, you know. I mean, it's so past time for this, you know.
4: Oh, I, I, I love the video.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I think that like I said earlier, I think it's historic and groundbreaking. We need more videos like this. So I want to take it all the way back. I mean, you know, you 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 are in partnership with each other for life. You work together and you have a kid together. Let's take it all the way back to the first time. Maybe, you know, you you laid eyes on eyes on each other. I, I, you know, tell us how you met and, and how it all started and uh I'm interested to know kind of how the, the chemistry was sparked. So if Alicia wants to jump in, that's totally cool too.
2: Uh, you know, it's it is very different experience for, for both of us. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I I never believed in love at first sight. I, I thought it was, you know, a myth, a farce, whatever. Um... But the moment I laid eyes on on Danielle, um, that was it. Um, I was sound checking. We met at a, at a gig. We were both uh, scheduled to play San Diego Dyke March uh, two thousand three, and I was sound checking. I was. This is when I was still pursuing a, a performance career, and Danielle's band was loading in behind. And um, when she, uh, you know, she when I turned around after I, I finished uh, to say hello i caught a glimpse of her and I just i lost my breath i i couldn't i couldn't speak in fact um the only thing that was going through my head, was just over and over again, was, oh, my God, I love you. Oh, my God, I love you. Um, Like a crazy person, because I've never met this woman before. Um, And then when I finally could muster something, that was what came out of my mouth, was, oh, my God, I love you. Um, (laughs) And I have no idea what what she must have thought of that insane moment. But... um, Clearly, you know, she wasn't too terrified. Um, we, I mean, we, we chatted a little bit that day, you know, swapped email addresses, you know, um, to collaborate, do shows together or something. Um, and I, I was just just flabbergasted by, after watching her band's performance. You know, she, she's just so extraordinary, you know, such a powerful stage presence and really wonderful music. I became an instant fan. Um and we uh, connected a couple months later about doing some shows together, um, became fast friends, you know, uh, realized quickly that we shared a lot of the same um, values and ideas um, and goals about music and what, how we should be treating music and art and what it's really there for us to, you know, the purpose of art um and and collaborated very quickly we met in september and we produced our first event the following march um which was a women's history month um event and um and less than a year of, of meeting we started collaborating together on the first um San Diego Indie Fest and just in that process of, you know, just spending so much time together. I was I was courting her for sure. She was, you know, pushing me away, pushing me away, <laughs> but finally she, you know, she couldn't help herself. She had to give in. Um, and I'm so so grateful for it.
1: She gave in. So Danielle, you you were in love with her this entire time.
2: Um, I
3: was in love with her? <laughs> yes, I loved her um immediately because she was so impossible not to love. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was thinking of more, you know, a friendship thing, but, but she was the most relentless, (laughs) I can't even begin to tell you how relentless, and you just can't resist the Alicia champion for too long before she just wins. She just, that's her name, champion. She wins. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, yeah, we've been through a lot together. I mean... It took us seven years to become parents, and then I got cancer, and she, you know, was the most amazing, incredible, superhuman partner that a person could hope for, and um, and all, you know, through it all, we have continued to write music, produce festivals, produce music videos, and um, we're really lucky.
1: Really lucky, for sure. Well, I I love your story, and we're very lucky to be here to tell it. Uh, We're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that Christmas album and the San Diego Indie Fest and everything else that's going on in your life. So stick around with us. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Don't go away.
0: You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of the Michelle Meow Show.
4: Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to progressivevoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start?
1: <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com.
0: You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of the Michelle Miao Show.
1: Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this fun hump day. We're kicking off December with awesome, awesome guests who are in the festive mood. <laughs> Our guests on the phone are uh, are married and they're musicians, Danielle Opresti and Alicia Champion. And we're talking about their cool video that they did, uh, which is a, uh, a holiday video featuring their son, Lucius. Lucian, I'm so sorry. I said, no, it's Lucian, right? Yeah, Lucian. Yeah. Lucian. No and um and so the video's already got fifty thousand hits. You can check it out uh, on YouTube. But it's uh it's I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, but with lesbians and their kids. I can't think of anything <laughs> that would be better than that. I think it's the best version yet. Um, let's talk about your Christmas album and, and, and the holiday album, I should say, and uh, why you decided to to do one. I mean, you know, every time the holiday rolls around, it's almost like Queen Mariah Carey takes over Christmas, and that's all the albums <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> that people you, buy. You, you, can't, you, you can't blame the Queen. It's still <laughs> it's, it's a great record, and, and I still play it, you know.
1: Yeah, but but now we have lesbian rep- representation so tell us wh- what kind of uh songs you have on your holiday album
2: uh well you know um the the holiday album is is really um it's it, it's that um we are uh, you know in typical um DLPM fashion we try to make it as inclusive as Possible for everyone. Um, so while there are going to be, you know, uh, Christmas standards on there like "I Saw Mommy" and um, and have yourself a merry little Christmas, we are also keeping it quite diverse um, and having, you know, some songs that that also reflect, uh, you know, the Jewish holiday Hanukkah um, and some, you know, more secular uh, uh, songs as well that that feel holiday esque to us, like we've uh, love uh, Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins which is really a song about charity and giving and it's not necessarily a holiday song at all but it feels holiday to us. Mm-hmm. Um you know it reflects what what we think this time of year is is about. Um and it's going to be it's going to be a short record, it's going to be going to be an EP, you know, uh, about five songs. But um and it's going to also have a, an original or two as well. Um but uh Danielle do you want to say anything else about it? Um
3: no, I think you've pretty much covered it. Uh, we've, we're in the process of finishing it right now. Um, it's going to be simple, but but hopefully, really, really pretty.
1: <laughs> uh, so, do you play it all the time, and does uh, d- does your son ask to play it or play the songs that you you plan on having on the album all the time?
3: There are a few of our songs that he that he likes um, that are his favorites, but generally speaking, our music means that we're not spending time with him. And so he's made the association that, that mom, that mommy and mama's music means that that he is competing for our attention with something else, you know, and so he he's not the biggest fan yet um, of what we do. Hopefully that will that will come to pass. But the moment he hears the word gig, he's just like, nope, I'm coming with you. And and then and, and no matter how many times we say, okay, but you got to sit in the front row on Tia's lap, you know, you got to. That's what you you have to agree to. That okay, no problem. We get there, and he is demanding to get on stage in one of our and in, in my arms because alicia's playing guitar um yeah it's a whole a whole deal so we're we're looking forward to the the day when we can grow a little bit farther away from from that much attachment so that he can be at the gig with us for sure
1: so what not do you think
3: compla-
1: yeah, yeah not, not that we're complaining about <laughs> having a child that wants to be in our arms yes yeah no i was just going to say what do you think you know future bandmate
3: that would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> Maybe,
1: <laughs> and it would be an, an entire. i so sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's he's, de- he's definitely very talented. He's got he's definitely gifted. But you know, it's funny. We we think you know um, you know when we became parents that we would be these cool musician parents. You know, hey, our kid's gonna think that we're hip. But <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's work, if it's anything that takes us away from him. He hates it. So
1: yeah, you know. yeah. So but, that theory. He'll get to that age where, you know, maybe a, 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 what that he asked for for Christmas will be a guitar or something and that that'll be the best band ever, you know. You'll, you'll probably be the first uh yeah, queer family band. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I want to talk about the the San Diego Indie Fest and kind of how that all you know how that how that all worked out, how it came to be, and uh, and I wonder had it always been easy you know to do music in the San Diego area?
3: No, definitely not. Um, I I was doing. I, I'm from San Diego, but I was in L.A. and uh, I was um, uh, talking with uh, a three different major labels about, about a, a deal. And um, it wasn't going well because they wanted me to water down my music. And, you know, my music is about, like I said, social justice. And um, they wanted me to, you know, just talk about sex and mm. love. And, you know, it literally straight up, time and time again, from multiple sources I was told that um, because I am a woman, it is not commercial to for me to write songs about anything other than sex, love, relationships. Um, that if I was a guy, it would be a different story. But, you know, Danielle, I'm just going to break it down for you. It is not commercial. And as long as you, uh, you know, continue to do so, you're, you know, we're not going to be able to promote you the way we want to. So I started, you know. You know my own label, and um, called my first record "Dear Mr. Penis Head" uh, as a thank you note to all the people who told me that over and over again, and um, and and then I started, you know, branching out, doing LA as well as San Diego. It wasn't easy, um, and I found a i I found a lot of pushback for 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 writing music that mattered to me. Um, you know, I found a lot of people, you know, saying that that you know, I was angry even though there was plenty of songs that were joyous and, and quite frankly, who cares? You know, rock and roll is it's it's an explosion of emotion. Whether it's whether I was doing, you know, rock and soul, um pop, you know, the fusion of all of those. It, it's an explosion of feelings, and, and I've never heard a man be accused of being too angry in his music before. It was so absurd to me, um, but the LGBTQ community totally embraced my band and what we do and how we did it, um, and and that was like a breath of fresh air, and then when Alicia came along, we started collaborating, and we we pretty much... Um, sat down one day and said, okay, here's a need. We, uh, you know, we'll play, we'll do a show, and people will come up to us and say, that was amazing. How come you guys aren't famous yet? And it would be a very, um, you know, it would be a complimentary thing. It would be a really nice thing to hear, but it would also be really maddening because the truth is there's, there's so many truly, truly phenomenal independent bands, mm-hmm. you know, indie bands, indie artists who are not on big labels, who do not have, you know, thousands of dollars being pumped into independent promotion, making sure that radio stations play their songs um, that people don't know about. The talent is not the measure of whether or not you know someone exists. So we sat down and we said, how about if we create a festival, an event that happens once a year? where people just come to discover amazing new music. You know, artists that that don't fit into the typical mainstream um, Mariah Carey, Adele, uh, you know, fill in the blank, um, you know, uh, genre, but who are a little outside, you know, to the left, to the right, above, below, and, and you know, they get they get passed over, but they're remarkable, they're outstanding, they're diverse, they push buttons, they push boundaries, and, and we got really excited about this idea. Of course, we got pushed back for that, too, but it grew and grew and grew, and now we're coming up on year 10. Um, it hasn't been easy. It's always been rewarding. Um, and, and I think that we're just, you know, we're proud of, of our work because we really feel so impassioned mm-hmm. about this idea. And it, it goes back to inclusivity. It goes back to, you know, educating people that there's so much beyond the Walmarts and the Targets and the major labels, you know, the the, the little guys like you and, and me who are creating their own radio show, their own uh, coffee shop, their own, you know, let's support the Indies because they actually, you know, have a stake in our communities. They care. They're people just like you and me.
1: Oh, I love you guys so much. Uh, best, best, best holiday present so far um, is having you here on the show. I, I wanted to ask, um, you know, I know Danielle, you beat cancer. Um yeah. You know, you both have struggled in the music industry and have now are now, you know, founders and creators of one of the largest indie fests um, or a festivals uh, event to date here, and and I, you have a kid and you're doing all these great amazing things. I wonder. You know, when you look at your life in 10 years, what do you see?
2: Alicia? Well, you know, I think um, while while I think we, we always were the type of people who were, you know, grateful for every day, every moment that we have, um, going through that cancer experience, you know, as a family, um, you know... I, I think we have a lot of balance in our family, but for me, you know, Danielle is, is definitely that that rock that kind of keeps us all together, you know. Um, and when that that rock was so so beaten down for that stretch of time, um, I mean, it, it really it kind of shakes you in a in a new way, you know. It it, it kind of expands that 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 philosophy of, you know, living for the present and, and just being grateful for every single day um, a tenfold, you know, in ways that I didn't even know that, that I could have expanded that. Um, so um, every day, you know, that, that, that we get to wake up and, and see the sun through our window and, and, and our son, son, you know, um, uh, in, in his bed um, is, is, is okay with me, you know. Um, whatever 10 years looks like from now, I just know that I'm going to be so grateful that, that we had those 10 years. Um, I know, you know, at some point we, we probably would enjoy um, a, uh, a slower pace. You know, a, a lot of our family um, is in the Bay Area. Mm. Danielle's brother's family is there. My family is there. Um, and, you know, a Shift, you know, maybe to the bay is is could could very well be in store. Um, so, yeah, you know, there, there are lots of things. But, 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 we love this community here. We we love what we've done with San Diego Indie Fest, and we'd certainly like to. Keep that going, you know, maybe bringing indie fest you know up the coast you know to northern California, I think <laughs> if, so if, if that's in the
1: cards you know that would be that would be lovely, you know, maybe in Oakland or something um I was going to say worldwide domination of indie music with <laughs> an, an an additional bandmate uh named Lucian <laughs> <laughs> or maybe an extra you know another another baby uh, on the way or something like that that would
3: be so cool. We would love to have a sibling for our little guy. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're working
1: on that. Oh, you two are so amazing. I, I want to thank you for everything that you do for our community, but not just our community. I mean, really, uh, you know, making the world a better place. And, uh, you know, Lucian is, is not only lucky, but he's going to grow up to be an incredible, you know, guy. He's probably already incredible. <laughs> <When> <laughs> do you think so. He gets My to watch life, get Mommy Kiss Santa Claus. You know, and so um, so thank you. Thank you so much for being here on our, our program today.
3: Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, we, we are so grateful now to know your show is out there, and we can't wait to tell people about it. It's really exciting to meet you, to speak with you. Thank you.
1: Yay! I love it. Now we have new friends, Fong. Well, actually, maybe they'll they'll want to sign my bra one day. I'll have to ask them later. Um, we're gonna play the, their video. You just have to. I know it's it's just gonna be the song I I uh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, but you should check out the video. Don't go away when we come back. The show continues. <laughs>
0: You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of the Michelle Miao Show.
5: I'm Heklina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years, and uh, over the past couple months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now, because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody. And that's just kind of the attitude and the, the, uh, the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know. You know, it's funny because I, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true. You know what I mean? Like I walk in there and, and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, can I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that uh, gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time. So you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it. I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always try to like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it. You know what I mean? That's just always in my attitude, um, just to entertain people. And so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity.
6: You are
0: listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of The Michelle Miao Show.
1: Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us here on this Wednesday, this hump day, December 2nd. Two days in December, which means the year is almost over. And then what? And then it's 2016. It's just, wow. Uh, the year has gone incredibly fast. And I can't say that, you know, the, it has. it's always been so amazing or so great. Um I think it's been a a pretty tough year, a, a pretty traumatic one as well. Our guest today, our next guest on the phone, is a dance artist, an educator, a black Dominican, transsexual, and queer native New Yorker. His latest work, One Thousand Twerks, addresses the racial injustice blacks face in this country, especially pointing out to the black deaths that have occurred in police hands this year. His work is inclusive of deeper meanings and have political influence that is intertwined with art and dance. Let's welcome Niv Acosta to the program. Niv, thanks so much for being with us. Hi, how's it going? It's going. You know, I, I kind of I went from super holiday festive and then uh, yeah. thinking about the year and I got super depressed again. I mean, it, I mean every year has kind of had its depressing moments. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. just 24 hours ago um, we got the news that four have been charged with with, uh, the shooting that has occurred in Minneapolis uh, during the Uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protests. And so I'm kind of talking to you at this very, you know, important time. Let's talk about, you know, your work, uh, the interpretation, and how that has also, you know, been inclusive of, of what's happening in the world.
7: Sure. Um, Well, as you know, I'm black and also male-identified and have been passing more and more as I transition, and that's been definitely seeping in and definitely impacting the work um, that I'm creating with my collaborators who are also black, Um, and we are sentient human beings who are definitely deeply impacted by our environment, and right now the American environment is feeling really hostile towards our bodies. And so something that art can do is really transcend, help to transcend those moments and li- and help you live through that moment. Um, and it's, you know, definitely all of the tension that we see in the media um, with all the violence towards black folks definitely, you know, makes for... I don't know. I guess an uninhabitable environment for folks like me, right. and that makes for you—you you sort of presented with a fork in the road. You can decide to let internalize it and and make it a part of your depression, or make it loop it in. It definitely can bog you down, um, or you can choose to become become involved somehow, Mm -hmm. Um, and I've definitely engaged in activism and continue to. Um, I was going to ask you
1: if you felt that your art, you know, is a form of nonviolent protest.
7: Yeah, I I guess so. I think there's a lot of power when you get people together. I think gathering is powerful. Churches, protests, performances are a site for change. I think having a bunch of people together in a room united for the same cause i mean whether it be a dance performance or racial justice right. <laughs> you can definitely uh you can definitely have impact in a room when you have a captive audience that way, and so I'm leveraging that privilege essentially of having an audience to also bring up conversation that I'm really interested in and also impacts my life and I think that you know, I, I have, I would say that I have pretty racially diverse audiences, but across the board, they're still predominantly white in the art world, and I want so much to comment on that, and I want people to take that into account, especially as they navigate this, you know, this realm of art, and, and so that they can understand that we can, we can adapt our struggles to also elevate artistic work mm-hmm. um and also for brown folks and black folks alike who identify similarity to me to feel like they have a voice um in the spaces that i navigate which oftentimes are exclusive are are definitely not as racially diverse as they should be
1: i you know i want to i want to uh, talk about that uh mm-hmm. art as well as as black bodies and um the entertainment industry, especially here in this country, it, it's like it, it, I don't know. It's it's such a complex place because it's like you know there are so many people who take for granted for granted mm-hmm. the artistic talent that you know black mm-hmm. entertainers and artists have, but yet mm-hmm. um, do not do not understand. Uh, you know also being negative in terms of how they connect with black bodies um you know, and i think you understand yeah. what i'm talking about right
7: yeah i do i do i think i talk about cultural appropriation a lot with my students and with my friends and we we're thinking about it because we're definitely impacted by it there's so much of wanting to, uh you know a black aesthetic essentially and in black vibes or black hair or black skin or black fashions um without really investing and seeing the people who created those fashions and those that music and that movement, you know? I mean, Miley Cyrus is always a, a really good example of a cultural appropriation because here we have a situation where a white young woman who has been in the media for a very long time, probably has more money than I will ever know, <laughs> and is... Um, effectively using black women as props in her videos or in performances. And they're twerking, and that's also become popularized. And it's really unfortunate. I hear people say, Miley put twerking on the map. And it makes me so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because we're we're completely, it's the erasure of this history that's so deeply, deeply black. Mm -hmm. And it's now somehow because instead of Miley taking a, a moment to be like, I'm going to share with you what I've learned about twerking or what I appreciate about this culture, you know, and, and then also elevating her performers and giving them a voice, that she could have done that, but she didn't. Right. Um, so instead we we have the perpetuation of invisibilizing, invis- invisibilizing, that's mm-hmm. the word, um, people who created this work and and you know, because twerking, the movement of twerking comes from uh, Northern Africa, a tribe called NOLA, and it's, you know, no one knows that, and we won't know that from looking at the VMAs while Miley Cyrus is twerking, Um, but what people take away from watching Miley Cyrus twerking or using black women as props is that she is the front runner. The black women aren't empowered here, Um, so, and this is, and if it were that this If it were that this imagery wasn't already so pervasive, I wouldn't be as caught up in this moment. But because there's such a deep and historical representation of black folks as less than or behind or behind the lead singer or um, supportive or domestic workers or doing the labor work, essentially, Mm -hmm. um, because twerking is not easy. <laughs> As we know. <laughs> well,
1: you know, I I'm not even gonna try. I already know. You know, my little Asian ass isn't really meant to do that. <laughs> I appreciate those who can. Uh, you yeah. know. Um,
7: yeah. I think I want to in that with saying that what's important for me because I, I I utilize twerking in my own artistic practice, and I, I think that's what what's important to me is that people do not claim something that is not theirs. That's really what it is. It it economizes the movement and therefore takes away the power um, from the people that it originated from, right? So if I said to you, Michelle, like, we should get together and twerk, Mm -hmm. I'm making an invitation as the black person in the situation, making an invitation for you to come join me where I am essentially empowered to... Teach you movement that I know and that is like in my blood, essentially. Um, and I'm choosing, I'm deciding to share that with you. And that's probably what happened with Smiley, like, a black person was probably like, "Hey, you should do twerking," you know. Mm-hmm. But instead of also, we're like taking that with reverence and and respecting and respecting where that comes from, and then also naming and identifying where it comes from. We have this situation. We don't know. People won't know that Miley Cyrus isn't the originator of twerking,
1: (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy to me, by the way. I mean, (laughs) come on, does it take a genius? And there's such thing as Google these days. Michelle Miao, we're we're speaking with our guest today on the phone, uh, who's a dance artist, an educator, an activist, um, who's also trans activist and a black activist, and an awesome all around guy, uh, Niv. Uh, Acosta, and so Nev, you know, I wanted to also throw that in there. I mean, we're talking about black bodies, um, you know, being black and trans and trans male. Uh, you know, how does yeah. how do you feel about all of that in this conversation?
7: Yeah. Well, I like to think about it as there, there, it's a multi layered experience. <laughs> yeah. One side of it is totally fantastical in that I get to have a life where I've been socialized as female. And get to operate or like navigate spaces um, as male now with the essential, essentially the wisdom of being socialized as female, and and therefore you know essentially being the man that I have always wanted to see <laughs> in the world. Um, so I, I guess that part of it is definitely exciting. Um, it's hard at times. I think that you know people can definitely romanticize that um, experience, but I definitely am learning so much about what it is to be a black man as an adult, um, whereas I know that, you know, let's say my younger brother, who's living his life as male and passing as male and will continue to um, navigate the world as male, won't have as much of a, you know, he'll have a, a more nuanced um, feeling of being black male. As So just imagine, like, Essentially hitting puberty at 25 mm-hmm. and turning into a different gender and passing as a different gender—it's um, kind of—it's—it's it's eye-opening for sure, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the political side of it, it's really intense. Right,
1: I was going to say <laughs> really, really intense. <laughs> you know, hitting puberty at 25 <laughs> as a black man yeah. living in New York—you yeah. know—that. Yeah, Ha, that's that's got to be extremely uh, not only eye opening but um, man I'll just say it extremely scary.
7: Yeah, I mean you know I, I have a white partner and I bring this up a lot. You know like I I'm, I'm I and it took me a while to actually realize that I was passing or that people saw me as male or that I was suddenly being treated as a black man. It took me a little while, um, but now I've I've been in that essentially trained of thought um, for a few years now. And it can be scary, especially with the visibility of police violence now. People know what's happening with that. And so I know more of what's happening with that. And it, and it freaks me out a little bit. I don't, I don't like to interact with police. I don't. I avoid police tra- interaction as much as I can because I know that my voice is best heard in my artistic practice um, and in my activist work. And that's important to me, and it's important to me that I keep my life. And I'm not saying that the people who have been victims of this violence wanted it at all. I mean, you know, it's just it's it, the fact that the the variable still exists that I could walk out of the house and not make it back today um, because some of uh, aggra- an aggravated cop um, is is terrifying for sure. But I, Instead of letting that, instead of internalizing it, really, because I can sometimes, but instead of internalizing it, I try to, I try to take that for what it is and understand that I have the privilege to not be on the streets all the time, and I have the privilege of um, having a home that's safe, and I have. Currently, I'm employed, <laughs> and, and currently, my artistic career is doing really well. Um, and I feel like people hear me in those spaces. I don't think a lot of people have that privilege. And so I try to use my visibility um, to also talk about talk about that, talk about yeah. being a black man. <laughs> I had my last, um, before 1000 Twerks, I had this long-term project called the Denzel series, and
1: right. I was exploring. Black I want I want to talk about that. I'm going to talk yeah. about that, but yeah. I'm going to cut you off because we're going to take a quick okay. short break. But when we come back, we'll explore more of your work. So stay with us, okay? Okay. The Michelle Mial Show continues right after this. Don't go away. More Niv Acosta.
0: You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of the Michelle Miao show. You are listening to a rebroadcast of an earlier version of The Michelle Miao Show.
1: Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining us. We're speaking with Niv Acosta, who's a dance artist, an educator, a black Dominican, transsexual, and queer native New Yorker. It's on his website, and I'm reading it. (laughs) So it's all self-identified. Now that I'm sitting here with my fingers wagging at him. This is who you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs>
7: that's right I wrote that
1: <laughs> yes yes and I'm very happy uh, you know that um, that you're out there that you're doing what you're doing and, uh, and your work is out there and you identify the way you do because I think that that matters um, you know, we j- you. right before the break we talked a little bit or you mentioned a piece of your work and I was going to say I mean you know besides being an incredible you know, dance artist um, you are you know beyond my IQ level smart <laughs>
7: who told
1: you that <laughs> I'm, I'm reading about you and it's like you know you're in rocket science and you, you, you know math i mean the last time i did math was uh, you know no my calculator did it for me but talk about yeah. some, some of your past work and the inspiration behind all of that and uh, you know why being um uh, i think you know being intellectually uh, uh, connected with your work, uh, you know, mm-hmm. translates uh, through art uh, also for your audience.
7: Yeah. Um, well, let's see. So before the break, I started to talk about the series, the Danzel series that I had been working on for about four years, um, and that was an interesting process because for me, it was a, it was really sort of a rite of passage um, as a performance artist. Um, and a creator of performance. I was thinking about my identity as trans. I was also very much coming out of the closet while also creating this work um, as trans, queer, and also black. And that was, you know, the work itself, the Denzel series, um, I wouldn't say was an homage to Denzel Washington, the person. I would say that I was working with um, the black male tropes that I feel like Denzel Washington, but many other black actors like Morgan Freeman, um, Terrence Howard, et cetera, et cetera, I feel like embody in the, in the casting that they've, um, in the casting of the films they've been in. So for instance, um, one, one film that I focused on was Glory, the film that was, came out in 1988, which was the year I was born. And the film is about uh, the first black platoon, um, in the Civil War, and, you know, the film is really Hollywood, and we're looking at the trailer, which is this beautiful, epic um, trailer where you have men marching, you have men with weapons, there's a war, there's Matthew Broderick on a horse, and there's, you know, this super, super classical, it's, I think it's called, um, O Fortuna o Fortune Empress is the name of the piece, Um, And, you know, so we have this this very intense combination of polyrhythms and then also the polyrhythm of these people marching, these black men marching. And then this, like, very classical sounding piece, which, you know, is very tied to this white tradition. And the the juxtaposition of these black bodies essentially marching to their death. And then this classical sound that essentially is, is, is meant to canonize this moment in history is a really intense thing. And then to actually know the the history itself, so these men were actually were not very well trained. They were put on the front lines at Fort Hamilton, and they were the first to be killed. Um, <clears throat> and these were these were people who were who had migrated to the north, and then signed up for to be in the war. And of course, you know, this is this is their choice. Um, I, I don't want to disrespect that, but I also want to be critical of our the history of how we, we think about war, but then also how we think about black masculinity in this context. So I had been thinking about the typecasting of, of Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington, not just in Glory, but also the other films that they've been in. Um, and I feel like Denzel's, you know, one of those household names that people can really relate to. So I was really attempting to leverage his visibility and what we know of Denzel Washington with our idea of black masculinity and those archetypes and wanting to be critical of that because I am a queer trans masculine human being, um, who's also black and, you know, my identity is certainly not anything like Denzel's, at least not that I know of. I mean, we're both black. That's that's our common ground, but that's mm-hmm. really it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I so I was really interested in that contrast. And so the, the series started with really exploring gender in performance, and then it turned into wanting to incorporate my family. I worked with my mom on one of the Denzels and close friends and just thinking about, you know, we were exploring voguing, which I also do, and we were exploring, <laughs> awesome. you know, cause our like run-of-the-mill contemporary dance tradition and, and, and improvisation, um, and wanting to really put those, put all of these intersections into one place.
1: Um, I, I, I've i learned so much just by listening to you in this uh, last minute or two. I mean, you know, uh, Denzel Washington has always been uh, one of my favorite actors. But now mm-hmm. d- thinking about it a little deeper, <clears throat> excuse me, he always seems to be saving the white woman. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm, yeah. I'm like every movie I'm going back and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that movie. Yeah, he saved her, too. <laughs> right,
7: right. No, totally, totally. And you'll find that with a lot of. The casting of black men, for sure. Yeah, and that and it, it it bothers me. You know, it bothers me. I'm sure it bothers a lot of people that that's what we still think black people or black men do, is they're either these brute, um, forceful, aggressive, toxic masculinity. <laughs> you know, they just sort of. You know, take up a lot of space and have this like hyper masculinity, and then, or then we have people who are casted into being servants or driving the white woman, or, you know, or being the security guard or something like that. And this is, and this isn't completely divorced from how we see black folks in America now. I mean, and and that's you know I am able in retrospect to really be critical of of these typecasting, because I do feel that people expect uh, black folks to fall into these positions, these positions of labor and servitude, essentially. Um, And I really want to move away from that in the most radical ways possible. And performance is one way that I feel like we can start to challenge that. Um, I know that also I'm incorporating more conversational aspects into my performances, like incorporating actual audience members to move into the work itself. and That is awesome. Um, and yes. Yeah, I think that the, I think movement is, is super powerful in that way.
1: Well, I'm a huge fan of yours, and unfortunately we're out of time. I've had yeah. so much fun with you. Niv, thank you Lovely. so much good for joining us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Come back me. again and, and let us know everything <laughs> that you're working on. So thank you so Anytime. much.
7: Anytime. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
1: To follow Niv and his work, head to nivacosta.com. Thank you so much for joining us here on today's program. We will be back tomorrow at the same time, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Until then, have a glass of wine and get over this hump day.